Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So I get to talk a little bit about redemption. Um, and there's, there's so many avenues you can take on redemption. Um, so... Uh, I guess a little bit about that. Uh, um, when I, 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 I'm kind of a handyman, I, and when I'm at work, I really feel like I'm in a ministry, not just a job. I get paid to be at my job, but like at the same time, like I'm there on a mission. Even when I get out to my truck, I don't say this proudly. I say this just in an, as an encouragement. When I get to my truck, I say, Lord, I know you're sending me somewhere on, a, on an assignment, not just to fix up somebody's bathroom or fix this leaking faucet and uh so so when i when i go most days i can't say i've i've perfected it by any means but most days i go out knowing i'm sent um and uh and with that um he gives me nuggets along the day um and and some of the things that he gave me about redemption um by listening to his word by other pastors and stuff like that um one of the things that he really pulled out of uh, redemption is definitely like our identity. Um, and, I, and I'm going to kind of, I think, go into that without really hitting it. But that's kind of really where I think redemption is, is where our identity is in him. And uh, one thing I looked up at, uh, about redemption and uh, understanding redemption is when you redeem something, ownership changes. And right there, you could go hours and talk about that on how our our owner. It, the Bible says that once we were slaves to sin, and now we're slaves of righteousness, um, which is an awesome thing. But here's here's also like if if I can take redemption and put it more into a, a different word of redeem. Um, if you think about a, a redeeming voucher whether it be cash, a coupon, or whatever. Um, if you think about like a coupon, so to speak, there's always bold letters on the coupon, right? And then there's this fine print at the bottom. And we normally take that, that redeem voucher to the store, and they're like, hey, that was only good on Tuesdays because <laughs> we didn't read the fine print, right? Well, I found out that maybe not us in this room, but as, as a whole, when I understand my heart when I talk about the church I mean the church of Christ I am a very kingdom-minded person I don't just think about the well I love the well um, and I'm definitely here on assignment too but I I really think about the kingdom of God the bride of Christ Um, and one thing I've noticed about the church across the globe is uh, well actually let me go on this When, when we look at that that voucher I guess if we get it in the mail so to speak we see the big letters and we get so transfixed on the big letters in the church we do the opposite with the voucher that he gives us the voucher of salvation I'll use this is we actually look at the fine print and one word particular in the fine print says heaven and we get stuck on heaven and we wave our voucher of heaven when that's not even the big print the big print that would be on your voucher of, of uh, your salvation is now a child of God. That is the big print. And a lot of times we miss this. But the Bible says, unless you come to me as a child, you won't even be able to come to the kingdom. And, and sometimes we get mixed up in thinking about children and stuff. And it's not childish thoughts. I mean, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, when I was a child I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child but when I became an adult I put away childish things it's understanding that we're such a child of God you think about servanthood and servants and and all that a servant does not get to stay in his father's house correct or in the master's house so to speak they stay off but a child a child gets to be in the house and that is where it's at he's he's saying if you don't understand what I've come for, what I redeemed, 
you're going to only, your salvation and your time here will be reduced to serving me instead of knowing me. And the Bible says, eternal life is this, that you know me. So what has he redeemed? He redeemed so much on this voucher, right? There's, there's so much in the fine print. It says, this is his words. It says that you're above and not beneath. You're the head, not the tail. You're righteous. You're blameless. You're, you're spotless, above reproach. And it goes on, I promise you. It, it's, it's constantly pulling you to a greater thing. But we can easily get caught into this uh, deception. And uh, I mean, if you read like the book of Jude and stuff like that, it, it talks about false teachers and stuff. And, um, and, and we can easily get so caught up in thinking that we're being proud of ourselves. And there's three things that are in this world, the lust of the f- flesh, the pride of life, and why am I missing it? Anyways, go on. Um, but the pride of life. So we don't want to be proud when we say these things. It's him that says It's him. Like, you think about faith. It's not my faith. He's my perfecter. He perfects my faith. He introduces me to faith. He finishes my faith. He's the author of my faith. It's him that does the work inside me that pleases him. It's all about me being a willing, moldable vessel for him. But it's also about knowing what my voucher says. And here's, here's where I can actually go into, too, is... Okay, so we do get a voucher of salvation, but I can say that he actually gives us two. And a lot of us take the first one, not us. A a lot of mindsets in the church, let me say it that way, says, hold on to that ticket and bury it. And there's a parable about that, of what Jesus gives us. And it says, you wicked servant, you buried it. If you knew I was a harsh man and, and, and you know, uh, reaped crops that I didn't plant and this and that. And um, so what he, what is he telling us? He's like, take this ticket of salvation. And what's one of the first things that he ever uh, said over us after he made us? He says, be fruitful and multiply. Take this ticket and multiply this ticket. Take this voucher and multiply it. And then I'll give you another voucher. So in, in Galatians, I, I do believe it is. I think I got it actually on my phone. Let me make sure that I say this right. Ooh, that's a good one too. Um, not the one I was looking for though. Um, so Galatians 1.4 says, Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from present evil age according to the will of our God the Father. So there's another verse I do believe in Colossians. Let me see if it's on here, too. Um, yeah, so Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says, And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the, the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So the, the cool thing is, is on that voucher, the first one, he's rescued us. And here's where the church gets lulled to sleep. They think the second coming is the rescue mission. We're, we're waiting on our hands, sitting on our hands, waiting for him to rescue us out of this lost, dying, and co- corrupt world when the voucher says, I've called you to change that not rescue you out from it. You go out and you, I've restored the dominion I first had for you. And um, so going into, I guess, the second voucher, to me, the second voucher is actually our ticket to the wedding date. He's picking us up to go to a wedding. And we should have that voucher in hand, so to speak, in our hearts. Because we can get up there. We can do all these things, he says, and we can get up there and meet him. And he go, I don't know you. And that is not necessarily just a scary feeling, but a, a emptiness that leaves you, oh, man. So we can, 
But Lord, and we can even say, Lord, Lord, we did all this in your name. We cast out demons. And he's like, yeah, I never knew you. So it's not about us getting and making it to heaven anymore. It's about understanding the voucher that he gave for us. The, the voucher of salvation is to multiply that salvation, to bring more people into the kingdom of God. And it's, it, and it's getting to that, that mind state of, of, I guess, knowing, I think Becky always say it, says it, knowing in your knower, like, that you know it. And that's, when you read the Bible, that's what it's constantly telling us to do. Renew your mind. Have your mind state fixed on me and I'll keep you in perfect peace. Think about things above and not beneath. And then Paul even writes, he says, I serve the Lord with my mind. It's our minds that, that can easily take us out because, let me be transparent with you. My, my, my youngest son was sick. This last week, we actually missed Friday night with the barn, and now my oldest son is sick, and, uh, and I prayed for them. And on the way here, if I can be transparent, I was mad. Because, Lord, at what point does darkness flee? Because it doesn't say when light comes on the scene that darkness starts packing up and, and makes its rounds and then leaves. It says it flees. So why, when Daddy comes on the scene, is it not fleeing? And, and on the way here, I'm, I'm not necessarily complaining to the Lord. I'm telling him to work on my faith because right now I'm not sure what to believe because he's still showing symptoms. He threw up, and I can't deny that. And he told me, he said, Daryl, don't be in denial about the things that are happening. But you've been raised, and, and, and I use this a lot. It says there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but it leads to destruction. So the ways that I've been trained up to know, the ways that I've heard it, and I don't even know if this is a true law of the land, this is just what I've, I've come to know that people say, is possession is nine-tenths of the law. And the fact is, as a sickness has possession of my son. But my voucher says that my son is redeemed, and he is set free. And it says that when I speak, mountains have to move, because I'm doing it by the will of God, not by my own will. Because the only reason I'm standing in here is not because I willed Daryl LaFon to be able to stand up here and talk to you guys about these things. It's because of the will of God through hearts of people that were connected me, to me and prayed for me when I was young that has me standing here. And that's why I get so emotional about things because I shouldn't even be here. But there's a scripture that tells me and secures my heart in this. And it, and it says, yet while I was still sinning, he sent his son for me to redeem me back to what I, what, I, what I originally was. And if you think about it, when you think about value of a voucher, a $5 bill doesn't argue that it's a $5 bill. A $5 bill redeems $5 worth. You can go on through the list to a, a, a 10, a 20, a 50, and a 100. They all have their value. Can we agree on one thing? that Christ has value, and he paid a price for what? Us. Can you see how manipulated things have been over the course of time and church and, and the way that seems right to us and how we've devalued our own selves? It's not me that's saying this. It's the Bible that says how valuable we are. And how much he loved us. Nobody goes to a car lot when, a, when a, there's a sticker on the window that says 16.5 and offer them 21.8. Nobody does that. So they pay the value of what it's worth. So if anything, I can encourage you today is know your worth in Christ. Not on your own. In Christ. Jesus is our... I mean... I think there's a couple of scriptures that talks about him and the Father are one. And now I'm bringing you into that one. And you think of the kingdom of God, one plus one doesn't equal two, it equals a stronger, greater one. And he's bringing us in. That's why marriage is so, so uh, I think, attacked on the, on the accuser's side. And you have to understand that's what his nature is, is he's an accuser. And that's what's happening in my home right now as I speak up here is... He's trying to accuse my son of being sick. 
but I have somebody pleading on my behalf, on my son's behalf, that he's wrong, that it's a lie. Because it's on, it's on the voucher. It's in the Bible. The, the Bible is Jesus. It's the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. And the word is alive and active. It's like a double-edged sword. It, it, it splits bone from marrow and soul from spirit. And, and, I mean, it's constantly dividing you away from your flesh into the spiritual realm. And... Uh, and I don't even know how to transition for you there, Wade. But I was, I was really trying to lay it out and hoping he was going to come in with me and really flow this thing over. But I'm just, that's kind of what I've learned about redemption in the last little bit. Um, I mean, there's, I could speak all day probably on it, not grow tired or weary, but for the time's sake. All right. Thank you, Daryl. So the second part of the message this morning uh, Daryl spoke on redemption. I'm going to speak on resurrection, and uh, and Becky will finish with reconciliation. So it's the the three R's of Resurrection Sunday. I just made that up on the fly. I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, resurrection. The root of the word is resurrect, and the definition is to restore a dead person back to life. Which is an interesting definition because to restore a person back means they were once there. And so to resurrect means to bring them back to life. And that's honestly, that's why we celebrate Easter. Because Jesus is alive. Because he paid a high price on the cross for us. Died, was buried, and three days later broke. Broke out of the grave broke ties to death, hell, and the grave. And it's through the resurrection, the word says that he became the fruit of many. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says it this way. It says, but in fact, and I'm going to stop right there a minute because we need to understand that it's fact. And that's part of this belief. It's part of having faith. We need to accept it as fact because it is fact. And the world responded, not, not just a little bit, but time is counted. The whole world shifted through Jesus. If you think about Christianity coming out of there, and I think about the, the disciples in the book of Acts and how they went from hiding behind locked doors to boldly preaching in the streets. If you think about that for any one of us, what kind of life-changing moment would we have to have to make us pivot and turn on a moment and say, I'm never living that way again? These men were touched and they were changed. And to me, that's some of the greatest evidence that Christ has risen. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. But let's be clear that, that while Christ was a man and he died an earthly, fleshly death, the death that they speak of here is not a physical death, but it's the death of sin. Because sin separates you from the Father, and the wages of sin is death. And so, in our sinful lives, we walk separated from God, dead to, to the world, our flesh dominating over the spirit, if you will. But when we accept Christ in our lives and we find that first grain of faith, and I think that's important to note, is that it's, it's not full faith, it's not 100%, it's not that you don't have any doubt, but you have that first grain of faith where you say Christ has risen, risen, he's paid the price for my sins, and I believe. And that's that first grain of faith there is a wonderful and beautiful spiritual resurrection that occurs in each of us. It is the spirit man that was there, that was a part of Adam in the beginning of creation, that was separated from God through sin. And because we're all born into the life of Adam, we're all born with this sin nature, we all fall short. It is through that acceptance and that grain of faith that we are saved and risen and begin this new life as a new creation. 
And it says, Christ has risen first, and he becomes our first fruit. And so this is, this is one I just want to touch on this because I, I, I think it's fascinating because if you look at the festivals, if you look at the timeline of the resurrection, it coincided perfectly with the festival dates of Passover and unleavened bread, and his resurrection occurs during the festival of first fruits. And you have to understand the festival of first fruits is an annual tradition where the priests would go out into this designated field that has grown only for this purpose. And they select the very best uh, bunch, if you will, of the, of the grain that's out there. And they cut it and they take it to the temple and they provide it as an offering with the promise that the harvest to follow will be great. And so Jesus, in likewise fashion, is the best of man, sacrificed at the temple and raised again with a promise to all of us that there'll be more to follow. And so we join him in that resurrection. Verse 21, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, that's Adam, says now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Isn't that amazing? You are given a new life. And so it's through Christ, as we become a new creation, that we are given this new life separated from sin. And it's a new life through faith. And so this grain of faith, I think it's interesting, and I, and I use that term specifically because we, we talk about faith and growing in our faith, and it occurs to me, much like a seed, if you take and plant an apple seed, what are you expecting to see? Not another apple seed, but you're expecting to see something greater. You're not expecting it to replicate one time but you're expecting it to grow into something greater. And so much like Jesus, who was that, that seed who was cut down, buried like a seed, raised as if a plant sprouting from the ground. You see this? He now multiplies through us in the world. We now are the branches on that tree. There's a parable that talks about a, a grapevine, and it's the same type of Thing. If you can imagine a grape seed growing into a grapevine, now we're all the branches. And, and through what we do, we produce the fruit. And so that's how God multiplies in our new life. We get grafted into that plant, grafted into that seed that Jesus initially planted. And we talk about becoming a child of God. That's that grafting in and becoming intimate and, and connected to the Father. And once, if anyone grows plants, once you graft it in and that, in that uh, place where that cut is made and they're joined, you cannot separate them. They become one plant. And like Daryl was talking a few minutes ago, Jesus and the Father were one. There was a unity there. And he prays for us and he says, Father, I pray that these will come into unity as you and I are in unity. And so that's that grafting in, and he wants us to connect to the vine, be connected to him. And it is through this new life, this resurrection within us, that we are make that connection. And so in my study this week, I couldn't help but think about Lazarus. And I had to go back and reread the story. It's found in John chapter 11. And as I read through it, um, just found some things that stuck out to me that hadn't stuck out before. And it starts off and it says that uh, the story of Lazarus, it says Lazarus was sick. How many of us were sick and lost in our sin before Christ found us? Now, Lazarus already knew Christ. How many of us were kids and we knew Christ and walked away? And at some point we realized that we were separated. So Lazarus was sick. And in fact, by the time the message got to Jesus, it said he was very sick. But thank God Lazarus had two sisters. Two sisters who knew the great physician, who knew how to get his name in front of the right person. And I know many of us have loved ones that are lost, 
loved ones that are away from God, loved ones who are lost and sick in this world. And we can lift up their name to the great physician. And we can raise, put, put his name, their names in front of Christ. But yet we learn later in the chapter that Lazarus died. And in fact, that Jesus didn't even come when he first heard, but he delayed in coming. And so by the time he got to Bethany, it had been four days. And there is a line where they go to open the tomb and I don't remember, I believe it's Martha says, no, but he'll be stinking. So there was an expectation he was good and dead. But that wasn't the end of the story. You see, Jesus went and he stood before that tomb and while everyone else had counted Lazarus out, while everyone else counted your loved ones out, while everyone else might have counted you out, Jesus stood in front of you while you were yet a sinner, while you were yet dead to him. And much like Lazarus, he called your name, he calls your loved one's name, and he says, come out of that. I have a new life for you. There is resurrection in my name. Come. And he calls Lazarus, I'm struggling with that this morning. He calls Lazarus out of that place of death into new life. And so I have hope. I have hope for my loved ones. I have hope for those that are lost, those that knew him and walked away, those who have seemingly turned away from God. I have hope because I know when I pray, I can get their name in front of him. And I know that he will glance their way. And much like Lazarus, he can go, you know what? It's not yet time. God won't be glorified enough yet. But when it's right, when the time is right and God can be glorified, I will call their name and bid them to come out of their death. And so we, we owe a debt of gratitude to Christ because he redeemed us. He was the first fruit. He was the first one to go to the death conquered death, hell, and the grave, and came out with the keys. And so, through Christ, we can be resurrected to new life in Christ, and we can join him in that unity of faith. And all we have to do is have that seed of faith and respond when he calls, and we can join him in that resurrection. Because it's not his will that any would perish, it's not his will that any would be left behind. You know, we can look in the Bible and it talks about in this scene, in the midst of all the doubt and all the people and Lazarus being dead in the tomb, it says Jesus wept. And I believe that he weeps today over the people who are lost in a way. And he weeps today over those that won't come when they're called. But I believe he is patient and long-suffering. I believe he... He is after people. He is calling their names. And when they respond, heaven erupts. We talked about the song earlier. It says, hell lost another one. And that's the joyous celebration that happens in heaven. And when our loved one comes in, we join in that celebration. We join in heaven's celebration when our loved ones come in. So we thank God for his resurrection power. And we thank him for his example that he set. We thank him that he's the first fruit among many. And we thank him that it's his desire that we are all reconciled back to him. So what is reconciliation anyway? If you think about reconciling, you're probably familiar with it if... Um, if you reconcile your bank account, um, 
to what you say you should have, right? And so reconciliation is an agreement that takes place, a balancing, an agreement where two things come into agreement with each other. So I'm going to give you a better definition. Reconciliation is the process of making consistent or compatible. That's what happens when we are reconciled to Christ, that we are made consistent and compatible with him. Wow, we just heard about God's redeeming love and how that's all rooted and grounded in identity and us understanding what he has given us. Then we got to to hear about how we're raised to life in Christ and that because of his resurrection, we are alive. We are dead to sin, but we are alive in Christ. And then to think that this process of reconciliation takes place within that where we become compatible and consistent with him. Not not in a place where, where we are threatened by sin because we learned that sin died on the cross, shame died on the cross, guilt died on the cross. But we've now, we now take up the identity that Christ has given us where we've come into unity with him, right? And so reconciliation isn't just about us, but we're also, as believers, called to the ministry of reconciliation. Not only is reconciliation compatibility made for us, but we're supposed to take the story. We're supposed to tell the tale. We're supposed to live the life that shows redeemed love and resurrection power. And that will reconcile others to Christ. So in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, it says, Christ proved God's passionate love. That's that redeeming love. That's that redemption for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still so much to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. What does righteous mean? Righteous means to be upright, to be set right. That's what righteous is, for us to be righteous with him. Like we were toppled over before, but now we've become righteous in him and we've been set right in him. Because we are no longer at odds with God, we are now in right standing with God. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. I just want that to sit for a minute. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. We're not a servant. We are a son and daughter, and he has reconciled us to, to him. When um, I, I think back to my childhood and the way I was raised, and I know that I've shared this before, but it seems appropriate uh, for this Sunday and in this moment, when I think about reconciliation and being set right, I've already been set right with him. I'm covered in his blood. I've been made new life. I've been resurrected to life in him. But when I think about um, when I was younger in the church and in the church that I was raised in, it was all about fear. It was very fear-based. Relation, there was nothing about relationship with Christ. It wasn't about how much he loved me, but it was about if I died and... and um, and I had not repented of the sin I committed that day because I had yet to reach perfection, then I was going to be judged harshly by God, by my Father. I was going to stand before him guilty. That scripture just told me that I don't stand before him guilty, that I've been set right in his eyes. He's not the judge and the jury. He's not looking to hit a gavel on a stand and condemn me, but he's looking to redeem me resurrect me and reconcile me to him that's what he's looking to do so that when I stand before him I can give an account of what I had done with what he had placed in my hands 
that's the moment I want to have with, with God when I stand before him. I want to be able to show him what I had, what I built in his kingdom for him. Not about me, but about him. Not the judge and the jury. I've been covered under the blood. It's those people that have yet to, been, to be reconciled with Christ that are going to have to face the sin judgment. Because he's, I've already received the gift of salvation. I've already received the gift of redeeming love and resurrection and reconciliation. I have come into unity with the Father and what he believes for my life and for me. And that's the message that we not only receive for ourselves that reconciliation, but that's the message that we give to the world. I think what Ken said about the fact that we'll be known by the love and the unity of the body, that that's the fruit that we'll produce as Christians, that our life becomes the light in the world. And we have to recognize, we have to really embrace the fact that we have been reconciled and that there just may be some wrong thinking. When, when uh, Daryl said that we have to renew our mind, that we have to think on new things, it's a process because there's, um, there's no other situation or circumstance where we see a kingdom like this kingdom, like the kingdom of heaven that has been brought to earth through Jesus. There's nowhere else that this functions in this way. That there would be such a loving God that he's not looking to condemn us, but he's looking to reconcile us, to make us righteous. We've been made right. We have been set up. We've been set up as if we were toppled over. But now we are made right in him. Now that we are at peace with God, and because we share in his resurrection life, resurrection being new life, that is new life. Just like Lazarus, who was dead, even Jesus felt that death. He felt it because he was a man. He was on the earth in the form of a man. He felt that death. And then what did he do? He brought Lazarus to life. How much more will we, will we be rescued from sin's dominion? Sin has no longer has control over us. It has no control over us. Sin is dead. Guilt is dead. Shame is dead. All those things were nailed to the cross. Those were all covered in the blood of Christ. Those are all covered in the blood. We don't have to carry the guilt and shame of that. Um, God, uh, Daryl was talking about the servant that buried that buried his talent, what was given to him, because he knew God to be a shrewd and evil, a harsh, a shrewd and harsh ruler. Is that the way you know God? You know, I mean, just, you know, as we talk this morning, just are there maybe some corrections that need to be made so that you can be fully reconciled to your thought of who God is? Or are you like the other servants who took those talents and invested them and multiplied them because it was just said today that's what we were created for right wade was talking about that seed that's put into the ground and then it multiplies is that the way you know god or do you know him as a shrewd like i did when i was growing up that's the way i knew him there wasn't a chance i was going to close my eyes without making sure that i had first repented of everything that i could think of and then pray for every person that i knew right and prayer is good, and we need to do that. And holiness is good, and it is right. And it comes when we recognize our identity in Christ. That comes. It, you know, that begins to transform our life with the renewing of the mind. And, uh, but we have to remember that he has reconciled us to God. That that's what Jesus did. Jesus reconciled us. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God, all because of Jesus Christ. All because of who? Jesus. Not our works. Not the things that I can do to make myself look good. Not the things that I can change on the outside that, that, uh, that don't impact the heart. It was Jesus. And then it says our joy. Our triumphant joy, triumphant, victorious, because we are victorious. We've overcome. We have overcome, just like Jesus overcome the grave. 
we have overcome the wages of sin. We have overcome the fact that we do not have to be bound to sin and to guilt and to shame. That's not what he's called us to be, and that's not who we are, but we've been reconciled back to God. So the first thing we need to do is reconcile ourselves before we can reconcile somebody else, right? We got to know who we are. We got to know who he is so that then we can shine him rightly to the world. There's a song that we sing, um, and, and there's a line in it that says, I want to know you rightly, Jesus. I love that line. I love that line. I've written it. I have it on a board in my house. And that's my heart's cry. I want to know you rightly, Jesus. Because when I know you rightly, then I share you rightly. Then my life reflects you rightly. And that's become my heart's cry that I would know him in that way. So there's a road to salvation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is uh, verses 17 through 21. And it's in the Passion Translation. And it says, now, if anyone is enfolded, 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 Wade was talking about grafted in. If anyone is enfolded in Christ, he has become an entirely new person, an entirely new person. Not in part, but in whole, an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. That's the ministry that he's given us. Now that we are reconciled, we need to go out and reproduce. We need to go out and multiply. We need to um, reconcile others. We need to tell others about the good news of God. In other words, It is through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God because we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. We have ambassadors, right? We have American ambassadors that go to other countries and they go in the name of the United States. They go and they speak as they are an ambassador of the voice of the United States. Other countries do that. We uh, All countries have ambassadors that go and that's what we do. We go in the name of Christ. We go and speak on his behalf to the world and we are to reconcile them back to Christ. But that's who he created us to be. That's part of the mandate on our life is that we would carry that message, that we would be an ambassador of goodwill, right? An ambassador of goodwill to other people. It's so easy for us to keep records of our own transgressions. Anybody do that? I mean, don't we know how messed up we are, you know, without Christ? We know we can keep a record of our own transgressions. But are you not the same way when you look at your children? I mean, I know we get frustrated with our kids, those of you that have kids. We get frustrated with them, but there's just something in them that we can see past that frustration. And sometimes the frustration is actually stemmed out of the fact that we see the hope and the destiny that's really in there, the potential. We can just see it in there and we're like, if we can just pull it out, right? (laughs) And God is like that. When he looks at us, he sees the good. He He sees his reflection, right? And that's the way he we he should see us, is that he should see a reflection of his son in us. And so when he looks at you, he doesn't see all your mistakes. You've been reconciled to him. He doesn't, all of that is gone. If it says that our sins are as far as the east is from the west or in the depths of the sea, any of those particular references, then why do we want to keep bringing those up on ourselves when they're gone from him? We're, if we've been reconciled to him, and this is the message you tell people, we don't get to heaven and then him go, oh, yeah, you remember in 1972, right here. It's not. That's not what's going to happen. And I tell you, that's not the right thinking. That's not the thinking that I used to have. 
about who he is. When we've been reconciled, we've been reconciled. We are an ambassador. It would be our choice if we walked away from that, just like we choose to follow him. But when we're in with him, we're in with him. And Daryl likes to say, there's nothing that can separate us. He will not forget my name. So it goes on to say, so we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. And of course, this is a letter written by Paul. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made, made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness, right standing, might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. That's what he's looking for. He's wanting us to show other people how to be righteous, not how to like it's a works thing, but that Christ brings righteousness and reconciles us back to himself. And so I think today that there may be some of you that that need to see Jesus rightly. You know, like there's a, a, a resetting um, that needs to take place, a right thinking, um, setting something that's been toppled over. It needs to be set straight again in that righteousness, in that right way, in that right way of thinking about what he has said we are and what he has provided for us. If, if, if we just caught the revelation of it, if we truly caught the revelation of that and knew that that was the gift that we had to offer other people, what... What kind of impact could we have? We already know that this house particularly is called to see breakthrough in the region. We're not the only ones. That's just part of the mandate on this house. But we've got to think rightly about Jesus. We've got to think rightly about what was provided for us and the redeeming love that he gives us. It's not about works so that you could boast. It's not about your works. We can... It's, it's easy to be a Mary. It's so easy to be a Mary when we're talking about Mary and Martha. I mean, Martha. It's easy to be a Martha, to be in the kitchen and to be about the busy work. Because then we come to God when we're in need of something. And I'm sure no one has ever done this. And we'll be like, but God, I did this and this. I did all these things. I did all these things. And he's going to say, but you never sat at my feet. You were never a Mary. I, I see the works, but really I wanted your heart. I wanted your relationship. I wanted to write you. I gave you righteousness, and I wanted you to walk in that righteousness. I wanted you to become righteousness to a lost world. And through that passion and that desire, like Mary sitting at his feet, she followed him intently, right she followed him intently. He loved her, and she loved him passionately, and he loved her the same way. And she was honored to get to see him. But that's what he wants. He's in pursuit of us. He wants to reconcile us. But we need to see Jesus rightly. We need to understand We've been, I think, that voucher, some of us are holding the, uh, the counterfeit. We're holding the counterfeit voucher. And it's time that we replace that counterfeit voucher with truth. With truth. And so, can we just have the worship team come back up? So I, I think that um, I was, you know, it was interesting because I kind of, I had this reconciliation piece of it, and I knew that there was a mandate for us as believers. But then I knew that there was a piece of it that was um, also a mandate for us to receive, you know, that part of it as believers. The rightness, seeing Jesus rightly, un- understanding what he provided for us through resurrection, through his walk on the earth through the, the suffering that he experienced, through um, 
being crucified on the cross to coming out of that grave. Um, it's so interesting because um, Wade has done a lot of uh, deep research. And a few years ago, he, he talked about this rock, you know, because it says that the ground began to shake and the stone was rolled away and this rock that split and this thing that happened. All the things that history actually says, not that we need history to prove what we know to be in the Word of God, but it's so interesting how the more they look for reasons to discount who Jesus was and what Jesus provided, they're just finding out more and more that it's legit. You know, they're just finding out more and more that what he did, that there's proof, that there's proof. And he wants to set us right with him. And so today, there may be some of you that need to see Jesus rightly that you took the the fraud voucher, the counterfeit voucher, that said, I gotta work my way there. I gotta feel guilty every day. I can't let go of guilt and shame. But if, uh, if God only really knew me, when we do that, we're, we, we have this mentality that we're smarter than God. We put our thinking above his thinking. He said he forgives us. He said that he would send his son to die for us, to cover our sin, to set us right with him. Anything contrary to us believing that for ourselves is us thinking that we're smarter than God is. It's us exalting our thoughts above his. And we know that it says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We are in pursuit of those. We are in pursuit of that understanding of who we are. And that's who I believe he wants to reveal to you today, rightly. He wants to reveal his son rightly to you today. And at the tip of that, he's saying, because once you do that, you can go and and be my ambassador. If we're going to be an ambassador, we got to know him. We got to know him. We got to know him. Our life will produce fruit. It will. It will have no choice when we're in right standing with Christ. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.